0: CHAPTER Ten OF THE TWO-GUN MAN BY CHARLES ALDEN SELTZER THIS LIBERVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN RECORDING BY TOM PENN DISAPPEARANCE OF THE ORPHAN During the night, Ferguson had dreamed dreams. A girl with fluffy brown hair and mocking eyes had been the center of many mental pictures that had haunted him. He had seen her seated before him, rapidly plying a pencil, Once he imagined he had peered over her shoulder, he had seen a sketch of a puncher upon which she appeared to be working, representing a man who looked very like himself. He could remember that he had been much surprised. Did writers draw the pictures that appeared in their books? This puncher was sitting in a chair. One foot was bandaged. As he watched over the girl's shoulder he saw the deft pencil forming the outlines of another figure, a girl. As this sketch developed, he saw that it was to represent Miss Radford herself. It was a clever pencil that the girl wielded, for the scene was strikingly real. He even caught subtle glances from her eyes. But as he looked, the scene changed, and the girl stood at the edge of the porch, her eyes mocking him. And then, to his surprise, she spoke. "'I am going to put you into a book,' she said. Then he knew why she had tolerated him. He had grown hot and embarrassed. "'You ain't gonna put me into any book, ma'am,' he had said. "'You ain't giving me a square deal. "'I wouldn't love no girl that would put me into a book.' He had seen a sudden scorn in her eyes. "'Love,' she said her lips curling. Do you really believe that I would allow a puncher to make love to me? And then the scene had changed again, and he was shooting the head off a rattler. I don't want you to love me, he had declared to it. And then, while the snake writhed, he saw another head growing upon it, and a face. It was the face of Leviatt, and there was mockery in this face also. While he looked, it spoke you'll nurse him so he won't die it had said when he awakened his blood was surging with a riotous anger the dream was bothering him now as he rode away from the ranch house toward the gully where he had found the dead two-diamond cow he had not reported the finding of the dead cow intending to return the next morning to look the ground over and to fetch the dogie back to the home ranch it would be time enough then to make a report of the occurrence to stafford It was mid-morning when he finally reached the gully and rode down into it. He found the dead cow still there. He dismounted to drive away some crows that had gathered around the body. Then he noticed that the calf had disappeared. It had strayed, perhaps. A calf could not be depended upon to remain very long beside its dead mother, though he had known cases where they had. But if it had strayed, it could not be very far away. He remounted his pony and loped down the gully, reaching the ridge presently and riding along this, searching the surrounding country with keen glances. He could see no signs of the calf. He came to a shelf rock presently, beside which grew a tangled gnarl of scrub oak brush. Something lay in the soft sand, and he dismounted quickly and picked up a leather tobacco pouch. He examined this carefully. There were no marks on it to tell who might be the owner. A man that loses his tobacco in this country is mighty careless, he observed, smiling. Or in pretty much of a hurry. He went close to the thicket, looking down at it, searching the sand with interest. Presently he made out the impression of a foot in a soft spot, and looking further saw two furrows that might have been made by a man kneeling. He knelt in the furrows himself and with one hand parted the brush. He smiled grimly as, peering into the gully, he saw the dead two-diamond cow on the opposite side. He stepped abruptly away from the thicket and looked about him. A few yards back, there was a deep depression in the ridge, fringed with a growth of nondescript weed. He approached this and peered into it. Quite recently, a horse had been there. He could plainly see the hoof prints where the animal had pawed impatiently. He returned to the thicket, convinced. Someone was here yesterday when I was down there looking at that cow, he decided. They was watching me. That man I seen riding the other ridge was with the one who was here. Now, why didn't this man slope, too?" He stood erect, looking about him. Then he smiled. "'Why, it's awful plain,' he said. "'The man who was on this ridge was watchin'. He heard my gun go off when I shot that snake. I reckon he figured that if he tried to ride away on this ridge, whoever done the shootin' would see him. And so he didn't go. He stayed right here and watched me when I rode up,' he smiled." "'There ain't no use looking for that dogie. "'The man that stayed here has run him off.' "'There was nothing left for Ferguson to do. "'He mounted and rode slowly along the ridge, "'examining the tobacco pouch, "'and then suddenly he discovered something "'that brought an interested light to his eyes. "'Beneath the greasy dirt on the leather "'he could make out the faint outlines of two letters. "'Time had almost obliterated these.' but by moistening his fingers and rubbing the dirt from the leather, he was able to trace them. They had been burned in, probably branded, with a miniature iron. D.L., he spelled. He wrote on again, his lips straightening into serious lines. He mentally catalogued the names he had heard since coming to the two-diamond. None answered for the initials D.L., It was evident that the pouch could belong to no one but Dave Leviatt. In that case, what had Leviatt been doing on the ridge? Why, he had been watching the rustler, of course. In that case, the man must be known to him. But what had become of the dogey? What would have been Leviatt's duty after the departure of the rustlers? Obviously, to drive the calf to the herd and report the occurrence to the manager. Leviatt may have driven the calf to the herd, but assuredly he had not reported the occurrence to the manager, for he had not been into the ranch house. Why not? Ferguson pondered long over this while his pony traveled the river trail toward the ranch house. Finally, he smiled. Of course, if the man on the ridge had been Leviatt, he must have been there still when Ferguson came up or he would not have been there to drive the two-diamond calf to the herd after Ferguson had departed. In that case, he must have seen Ferguson, and must have been waiting for the latter to make the report to the manager. But what motive would he have in all this? Here was more mystery. Ferguson might have gone on indefinitely arranging motives, but none of them would have brought him near the truth. He could, however, be sure of three things— Leviatt had seen the rustler and must know him. He had seen Ferguson, and knew that he knew that a rustler had been in the gully before him, and for some mysterious reason he had not reported to the manager. But Ferguson had one advantage that pleased him, even drew a grim smile to his lips as he rode on his way. Leviatt may have seen him near the dead two-diamond cow, but he certainly was not aware that Ferguson knew he himself had been there during the time that the rustler had been at work. Practically, of course, this knowledge would avail Ferguson little. Yet it was a good thing to know, for Leviatt must have some reason for secrecy. And if anything developed later, Ferguson would know exactly where the range boss stood in the matter. Determined to investigate as far as possible... He rode down the river for a few miles, finally reaching a broad plain where the cattle were feeding. Some cowboys were scattered over this plain, and before riding very far, Ferguson came upon rope. The latter spurred close to him, grinning. "'I'm right glad to see you,' said the puncher. you been keeping yourself pretty scarce. Scared of another run-in with Leviatt? "'Plum-scared,' returned Ferguson." "'I reckon that man'll make me nervous, give him time.' "'You don't say,' grinned Rope. "'I wasn't noticing that you was worrying about him.' "'I'm right flustered,' returned Ferguson. "'Where's he now?' "'Gone down the creek with Tucson.' Ferguson smoothed Mustard's mane. "'Levy been with you right along?' "'He went up the creek yesterday,' returned Rope, looking quickly at the stray man." Went alone, I reckon. With Tucson. Rope was trying to conceal his interest in these questions, but apparently Ferguson's interest was only casual. He turned a quizzical eye upon Rope. You and Tucson getting along? he questioned. Me and him's of the same mind about one thing, returned Rope. Well, now, Ferguson's drawl was pregnant with humor. "'You surprise me. "'And so you and him have agreed. "'I reckon you ain't willing to tell me what you've agreed about.' "'I'm sure tellin', grinned Rope. "'Me and him's each dead certain that the other's a low-down horse thief.' "'The eyes of the two men met fairly. "'Both smiled. "'And I reckon you and Tucson are loving one another about as well as me and Leviat observed Ferguson. There ain't a terrible lot of difference, agreed Rope. And so Tucson's liking you a heap, drawled Ferguson absently. He gravely contemplated the puncher. I expect you was a long way off yesterday when Leviatt and Tucson come in from up the crick. he asked. Not a terrible ways off, returned Rope. I happened to have this in and they pass right close to me. "'They clean forgot to speak.' "'Well, now,' said Ferguson, "'that was sure careless of them, "'but I reckon they was busy at something when they passed. "'In that case, they wouldn't have time to speak. "'I've heard tell some folks can't do more than one thing at a time.' Rope laughed. "'They was putting in a heap of their time "'trying to make me believe they didn't see me,' he returned." Otherwise they wasn't doing anything. Shucks, declared Ferguson heavily. I reckon them men wouldn't go out of their way to drive a poor little dogie in off the range. They're that hard hearted. Correct, agreed Rope. You ain't missin' em none there. Ferguson smiled, urging his pony about. I'm figuring on getting back to the two diamond, he said. He rode a few feet and then halted, looking back over his shoulder. "'You ain't giving Tucson no chance to say you drawed first, he warned. Rope laughed grimly. "'If there's any shooting goin' on,' he replied, "'Tucson ain't going to say nothin' after it's over.' "'Well, so long,' said Ferguson, urging his pony forward. He heard Rope's answer, and then rode on, deeply concerned over his discovery." Leviatt and Tucson had ridden upriver the day before. They had returned empty-handed, and so another link had been added to the chain of mystery. Where was the dogie? End of chapter 10